This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Carrie Shell. Carrie is a midwife, personal trainer, yoga instructor, addiction specialist, speaker, and author. Thank you for joining me today. Hey, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. So tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get to where you are today? Obviously, by that intro, you wear a lot of hats. So the, how that kind of <laughs> journey come about? Yeah. Um, good question. It's been a long journey. Um, I think the big overarching one, uh, I guess a couple of things are just being open to change and always having a thirst and an interest to learn more and to do more and just be willing to go where the, the path was taking me. So, um, out of once I had graduated from university with a degree in political science and history, I was at a seminar actually, and there was uh, a woman giving a talk and it was on midwifery. And back then hadn't really heard about midwifery and I was really inspired and called to, to go on that journey. So that was really my first foray into health and wellness and, for a couple decades, I practiced as a midwife and did a lot of um, more political work as a midwife, trying to get the profession regulated and legislated in Canada. Found that super interesting, which led me to do graduate work. Um, and really, I was living in a rural space. And when I had decided that I no longer really wanted to actively practice, I was looking for a different to foray off into health and wellness in different spaces, that's when I thought, okay, well, I can't really do anything that my education and experience, you know, warrants. So let's just, I just started doing things that I liked. So that's where the personal training and the yoga came in. Um, just feeling like if I wanted to somehow eventually incorporate that into my work life, I really wanted to make sure that I had the training and the education necessary. And just this, the oddest thing, I, I then was hired to be the director of health and wellness for a new addiction center. And that's how I got into the whole addictions. And with my graduate school research uh, and my love of yoga and physical activity, what I knew research told us that yoga, meditation, and physical activity were more effective in many cases in dealing with alcoholism and addiction than traditional therapies. So I really got into that and just writing on that and speaking on that. And through COVID, realized that I myself had become a great drinker, not an alcoholic, but I was realizing my relationship was no longer healthy. And that's, that's where I am now, just really trying to give a voice to that. Because I think it's a really challenging place to be in. I think million, I know millions of us are in the position that I was in. But it's really hard to, uh, to know where to go and what what you should do. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, uh, you know, Physical and mental 
wellness is key. And like you said, when people were, um, I guess, secluded from everybody else, it leads to uh, potential, you know, physical issues in terms of not being able, let's say, to formally exercise, which I think it's easier said than done. But if you really want to do it, you can do it at home, you can do it outside, so on and so forth. But like that social aspect of being a human and, you know, human or humans are social creatures and not being able to, you know, meet in person or, you know, enjoy certain things or even, you know, not being able to, um, you know, let's say get married or like, you know, group events or even uh, visit a loved one that's sick in the hospital. I think that could lead to obviously, um, you know, different mental, you know, issues that then can lead to different vices of coping and it may not be like you said full-fledged potentially alcoholism but you kind of start drifting and you start using it as i guess a crush crutch to cope yeah i mean and then you throw in all of that fear and all the unknowns we didn't know you know a few years ago what was going on i mean a pandemic none of us had lived through a pandemic and being you know school closures everything was so new and different and for me you know I was really fortunate in one sense, because of where I lived, I would just go out every day and I'd hike every day. So I was, you know, I was loving it. I was like, oh, this isn't too bad. I I love being on my own and in nature and being physically active. So that part I had a control, a good handle on. But what I would do was I would set my like to-do list and you know, if I would check all the things off, then I'd kind of reward myself with a glass of wine or two, maybe three. And it just kind of insidiously crept its way into where it was like, no, that was part, it, it was just a daily thing. And it's not like I was getting drunk, but it was just a daily thing to where I just started having that internal dialogue saying, you know, are you drinking too much? Should you take a break? And yeah, it, I think a lot of people were in that same position and still are because they're thinking, well, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not going to AA. So what do I do? And that's, I think, the position a lot of us are in. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, like you said, your process in terms of rewarding yourself, um, like I, I feel like a lot of people did that. But what was kind of, I guess, your first step into being self-aware enough to come to that conclusion? You know what I mean? Because a lot of people don't necessarily... You know, it, even when it's like that, when it's not full blown alcoholism yet, like it, it's, you know, it's okay. You know, I can keep doing this. It's not bad. It's not hurting anybody. But when were you like, you know, I need to change this process? It's not necessarily leading to somewhere either positive or maybe it's accelerating in, in, you know, in the wrong direction. Yeah. Good question. I think a big thing with the gray drinking is that. I believe a lot of us are drinking too much. And I think that benchmark of what is normal and it is acceptable has really changed and shifted over the decades. And so, you know, if you look at it and you realize that a lot of your family and social circles and what, what you do involves drinking, like I'm meeting friends, we're going to have drinks. We went, even if you went out for a hike or did something and then you have a drink and dinner or everything kind of just very subtly involves alcohol. So it's hard to really get a gauge on where you're at if everyone's in the same place. And so, you know, that internal dialogue, I think that was the first thing when you start to have those little questions like, man, am I drinking too much? And no, I'm never drunk, but, you know, I'm drinking half a bottle of wine a night or two thirds of a bottle of wine a night. And, 
you know, it just seems to be becoming more and more the norm. So I think really listening to that internal dialogue. And I think for me, another catalyst is that my spiritual life was getting to the point where along with that internal dialogue I was having, I was thinking, okay, do I really want to have alcohol be the place I go if I'm stressed or if I'm, I want, I want to go to my, to my spiritual resources first. And so I think that was the big thing for me that I wanted to live true to myself in all aspects. And that really wasn't honoring a big part of my life. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously a lot of people can't get to that realization uh, because it's kind of tough. And um, often you make excuses for yourself and you kind of like put it off. And, you know, eventually if you can't, um, you know, come to that, it might slip into something else because ultimately it's one of those things where I often say it's kind of like a you versus you battle for situations like, Mm. uh, you know, what other people say about you, you, you know, words have power and, you let it affect yourself. Like if you don't necessarily let it in or you, you know, you develop a process for um, coping and kind of fine tuning it, it's, you know, no one can really hurt you per se um, in a way. Um, So I feel like it's the same thing with uh, potentially moving and and operating where it's, let's say alcohol or maybe some, some other vice moving into it. You have to kind of come to a realization and, it, it's not one of those well it can be like those kind of earth shattering like aha moments like you realize it because something else happened in your life um like a tragedy or a loss and it may be a trigger or it just may be something that you know comes to you potentially changing your life but it it might be something more gradual so like on a daily basis i try to reevaluate and figuring out like if i'm doing something detrimental or if it's something like flirting the line of being um you know let's say obsessive about something um or or, or something that's not a benefit mm-hmm. for my life but it has to be i think done on a daily basis and reinforced and and you know potentially have other people holding you accountable in your circle as well you, you know you mentioned aa I, I guess obviously i've never been but i'm obviously seeing the pres uh premise and you know reading it's you have somebody that holds you accountable that has been in a similar situation so i think accountability um to people around you i think is key and a lot of people operate well the it's funny because the gray area their life is in the gray area they have a lot of stuff going on that nobody knows about that if they had them as a resource or somebody to hold them accountable they could potentially move out of that Yeah, I agree. And I think that's that whole accountability piece is where it gets a bit tricky because if all my friends, if when we get together, we all have a couple glasses of wine, but then I bring up to them, listen, do you think I'm drinking too much? Like, what do you think? And I'm looking for honest feedback to help guide me. And they say, you don't drink any more than we do. Like, no, you're good. You're good. Then it's hard to get that accountability. And so you know, I think AA, you touched on something really important. A lot in my work in addictions and alcoholism, in many, many cases, in most cases, there is definitely trauma. There is abuse. There is um, mental illness issues. There is something that is really causing some disconnect so that an individual cannot connect with others. You know, as, as people were we were born to connect with one another. And when we can't because of 
trauma or abuse or whatever the case may be, we look to something that we'll connect with. And that could be drugs, alcohol, porn, shopping, gambling, whatever it is, whatever that vice, how you said. Now, for the gray drinker, you might not have that severity. You might not have that trauma or abuse, but you're you're realizing that you're looking to alcohol. You hopefully you'll get to that point. It's giving you something, right? You're and you have to take the time to step back to give you some sort of perspective on what you think you're actually getting from alcohol. And in most cases, you're actually not getting what you think you're getting from it. You know, you're not getting the relaxation. The relaxation isn't what's in my glass. The relaxation is that I took the time at the end of my day to get a nice wine glass and to just slow things down and to kind of honor myself in a way. And we're we're thinking it's the wine that's relaxing, but it's actually kind of that little ritual of slowing it down and how, you know... I could have something else in my glass. It doesn't have to be alcohol. And it would give me that same sense of really, I need to take time up this full day, just even a few minutes to reconnect with myself and exhale. So in a lot of cases, you know, when we're, I'm out with friends, is it, is it the wine that is making my evening good? Or is it the connection and the love I have for my friends? And you'll say, well, it's the love in connection I have with my friends, but we start to think that it won't be as valuable if the alcohol is not there. You know, we start to, to trick ourselves. So it's, it's a bit of a mind game also that we, we slip into that taking a step back from the alcohol gives us a bit of perspective. Yeah. And it's, it's a societal norm. You know, you kind of mentioned it's kind of surrounding you as an adult, you go to a, say a sporting event, you know, you're tailgating and then at the event they're pushing um, alcohol and it's being, you know, pushed to kind of like enjoy yourself, uh, whatever you're going through in terms of like in a social kind of structure that, you know, alcohol is involved in one way or another. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, beer, liquor, commercials, everybody's having fun in a social setting. So I think it's like a, obviously a societal stigma where, um, you know, if you have alcohol at a event or something that, you know, a get together, it's going to be much, that much more fun. Um, right. Which oftentimes it isn't because people are uh, <laughs> get to a point where they're drunk and uh, other people express themselves when they're drunk in a violent manner versus a more touchy-feely manner versus just other things. So it doesn't necessarily – and then uh, other people obviously are more you know timid or shy. It feels like they're bringing out their uh, kind of true personality, if you will. But obviously mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's just kind of masking, like you said, a void that they could potentially – figure out how to constructively build like if they're not that good in social situations maybe they're introverted figuring out um you know ways to you know become a more social person putting themselves out there obviously i feel like you know people just think that them as individuals are anxious in social settings i think everyone to a certain extent regardless of you know how outgoing they are are anxious uh in a social setting especially a new one where you're kind of thrown mm-hmm. into a, a new company or you're invited to some kind of holiday party and it's like a friend of a friend and everybody there you don't know. So automatically you run to like, you know, 
uh, a glass of wine or a bottle of beer to kind of like, I guess, mask yourself in that environment and to fit in better. But I think if you kind of like truly develop a, a, a skill set to, to build that up naturally, um, I think it's a lot obviously more um, beneficial. And I think everybody has a anxiety to either speak in front of people, be in front of people. Like I said, especially people you don't necessarily know. And I don't think um, long-term, obviously, alcohol isn't going to help with it or mask it. Yeah. And I mean, think of when you yourself have been in a situation where people are having drinks. And if there's one person who's like, oh, no, I'm not having alcohol. or And you know that they've had drinks before. You know, people will pressure them like, oh, go on, have a drink, have a drink. Why not? Why aren't you drinking? And they'll hassle them and they'll and, and some people will feel actually uncomfortable that someone else isn't drinking, which is really peculiar. You know, it's like if I am on a new lifestyle program and I'm not eating sugar and I'm not having the dessert, people aren't going to pressure me like, oh, you know, they're like, OK, don't have dessert. But for some reason, alcohol and I think it's because there's that subconscious level where people know they might be drinking a little too much. And so that you, you just feel more at ease. If everyone's doing it, then you never have to turn that mirror on to yourself. And the part about that socialization is if people actually stop and think, well, I was social, like I do have it in me. It's, you know, I may tell myself it's the alcohol, which does it, that I need the drink to do it. But I, Obviously, you have the skills and the personality and all the tools within to be more social or in those social settings. But again, you're confounding it with and confusing it that alcohol is giving you that strength or that potential, but it's all within you already. And just to own that and acknowledge that can help tremendously. Yeah, I mean, I think it's easier to obviously grab a drink than, you know, work on self-development and, you know, get that out of <laughs> you. Party, so, yeah. you know, people take kind of like the uh, easier way out or kind of, I don't know if it's even comparable, kind of like the fast money, but it doesn't lead to long-term success or anything right. kind of positive. So you're not really like building and improving yourself. You're just kind of... uh you know, creating, I guess, a mask that you have to keep reliving or reapplying. Whereas, you know, if you actually focus on yourself, built that up and uh, no way am I saying, you know, I'm an expert or, or it's easy to, uh, you know, develop yourself or kick bad habits or be self-aware enough to, you know, take the steps. But I think it gets a lot easier if you take one small step at a time. Um, like I said, like on a daily basis, I tried to take a step back and possibly reevaluate what I did the last day or what I did today. Um, oftentimes you kind of act in the moment. So it's a little bit of reflection and uh, mm -hmm. maybe at times kind of damage control, not necessarily on other people, but maybe yourself, but mm. um, like looking at it or at least personally looking at it, like everything in life is a lesson or a blessing. And if you can take something out of it and not repeat it, but make yourself better. I think, you know, in the long run, regardless of what you experienced, you know, you should own it in that way. Yeah. And I mean, definitely, I think honoring ourselves with time. So on a, a few different levels, you know, in different situations, give ourselves the time to actually be aware of what we're experiencing and what we're feeling. 
so that we have a choice in how we want to respond in terms of being reactionary. We're so just go, go, go. Um, even with our social media, you know, you see a post and then you're quickly like, you might jump in, write something. Um, but really taking the time to become aware of how you're feeling and what, what, what's going on with you so that you actually have then the, the luxury of choice and how you want to respond and go forward. The other thing is taking the time away from alcohol to really, you know, because gray drinking isn't a clinical disease like alcoholism where um, wisdom would tell us that you're not going to drink again. Once an alcoholic, you're not going to drink again. Being a gray drinker is about redefining your relationship with alcohol and taking a step back without alcohol so that you can make an informed decision. So that at the end of that time, because alcohol gets through your system quickly, making a decision because you're going to feel better physically, mentally, spiritually, after even, you know, 10 days, you'll feel better, you'll feel lighter. And then say to yourself, okay, so what do I want? Like, how much do I need alcohol in my life anymore? Do I want to continue how I was? Do I want to cut back? Do I want to set limits for myself? Or do I want to walk away from it altogether? So if you give yourself the time to experience your life day to day without it, then you can make that informed choice about what you want to go forward. But the crazy thing is, I mean, think of, I don't know if you've ever done this. I know I have, but if I'm like, okay, I really want to take care of myself and I'm not going to eat sugar, let's say, you know, for a while, for a month, you know, on day 31, what do I do? I I probably will have a piece of cake. Like I'll reward myself with the thing that I've abstained from. Just like if people do sober October, November 1st, they're having a beer. So we're just these weird creatures that we reward ourselves with things that we know we just don't even really want it want to have. But for some reason, we think that that's our reward by having the sugar, by having the alcohol, by, you know, whatever behavior it may be. Yeah, I agree. And um, like you said, it's kind of coming to a realization, like, what do you want out of yourself? Like, do you want to completely, for some reason, um, you know, abstain from alcohol for either as long as you can extended period of time or in general do you want to limit it um you know take the time to kind of reflect uh without it but um i mean they say i forget how many times you have to do something for it to become a habit especially um it's a lot harder for positive things for you than than obviously negative because I, I feel like if it's negative or if it's a vice or if it's getting into alcohol or drugs or anything that becomes an addiction, it's so much easier to fall into it because it, it, it serves, I guess, a need. It fills a void, you know, and it helps you cope, so on and so forth. But having something that becomes a positive habit, it takes that much longer. If, you know, they say that majority of like uh, New Year's resolutions to work out or fitness get broken within like the first week or, you know, at least at the end of, you know, January, most people that join a gym are, are gone. So really like <laughs> taking your time and, and devoting to it, you know, I don't know how many times somebody actually like goes out. I mean, it's, it varies, but let's say you're out three, four times a week with, friends or family, you know, limiting it to maybe once a week if you have a drink or two, like you said, I think could really help and maybe recalibrate, um, you know, your consumption and the need for it in general. Mm-hmm. And, 
you know, alcohol is this kind of insidious thing. I call it our best frenemy because it's there in every occasion. It's just so readily accessible. You know, it's there when I'm celebrating. It's there when I'm grieving. It's there when I'm anxious and mad and happy, when I'm bored, when I'm lonely. It really can fill a void for every emotion or experience that I'm I'm going through. And so, you know, it's so easily accessible that that, that adds another layer. You know, how do I, how do I find other things to help me go through these things in my life without needing to have that frenemy there? Cause that frenemy is not serving me. I'll tell you that much, you know, it's not creating a positive impact in my life. And, you know, about the new year's resolutions, I think that we need to be kind to ourselves because, you know, yeah, you might, you might tell yourself, well, I'm not going to drink for X number of days. And if I have a drink, well, I've blown it. So I may as well just like I've blown it. But no, it's like have the presence of mind and awareness to say, okay, I had a drink. I had two drinks. Maybe I drank that night. I got drunk. Whatever the case may be, tomorrow's a new day. I'm not going to wait, you know, like start again. Just give yourself you know, give yourself a break. Don't self-flagellate and just resume what the, the goal that you're trying to set out and remind yourself of the purpose. You know, I used to definitely be the kind of person, you know, if I was say dieting and then I ate something on a Friday night, well, then I would just eat crappy all weekend and then resume Monday. It's like, but no, I don't do that anymore. It's like, okay, so I, had a bag of chips or whatever the kid, you know, I'll start tomorrow. I don't give myself the permission to continue the poor behavior because you blow it once. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like a lot of people do that. If they say, you know, I'm on diet or I'm on this, that, or I'm not drinking. As soon as they have like that first event, they'll justify in their mind and put it off to a later date. So maybe it's two weeks till the end of the month. They'll, you know, say, let me, you know, just finish the month out. I'll start anew on the first. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's starting over the next day and now falling into kind of that trap and, um, you know, keeping yourself accountable, uh, I think is key. Yeah. And also, you know, set yourself, as you were saying, set yourself up for success. If you know, you know how you are as an individual. So if I feel I can go to those parties or a dinner party or whatever the case may be, and I'm okay not having a drink, you know, you, A, I probably wouldn't be the kind of person to announce to everyone, I'm not drinking alcohol tonight. Some people might do that to kind of keep themselves accountable. So again, it's a personal thing. There's no right or wrong here. But if I'm feeling that I could go to those situations and have, you know, soda and lime, and feel good about the evening, then that's great. Go. But if you're thinking, you know what? I know I'm just going to feel awkward. I know I'm just going to really want to have that drink. Then set yourself up for success and maybe don't go to a few social things initially until you're feeling really good about not drinking. You know, we're all different. We all have different ways that we react in situations. So just be true to yourself. I'm not here to set out a, a prescribed plan that if you're a gray drinker, you cannot go to social events for a month or you're a gray drinker. Every time you go somewhere, you need to tell people or it's what you feel comfortable doing that is going to allow you to have that distance from alcohol, 
It's all about getting some perspective and distance so you can create the relationship that's healthy for you. I agree. So what's one piece of advice you could leave with the audience, personal or professional? Hmm. A piece of I would say that if you have been questioning, if you have, you know, if you've gone out for the evening and you come back and you say, oh, I'm not, I really, next weekend, I'm not going to drink at all. Or if you find that you're telling yourself, okay, tonight when I go out, I'm only going to have one or two drinks, but then you have more, or I need to cut back any of those kind of statements around alcohol, chances are you're a great drinker. And that's not bad. Millions and millions of people are great drinkers. You're not an alcoholic. So what I would encourage you to do, I have a free 10-day reset on my website, carryshell.com, and just go to the 10-day reset. Click the free 10-day program and see how it feels. Now, we're recording this right before the Christmas holidays. I have no idea when it, but again, set yourself up for success. So if you know that having alcohol is really part of your traditions and how you celebrate Christmas and New Year's, don't try to do this now. You know, give yourself a break and do it, you know, the first week of January where you've experienced the holidays, how you normally have. It's not going to be awkward. You're not going to feel like you're depriving yourself, but start in the new year and it's only 10 days. So listen to that inner voice and actually honor you. It's, it's giving you some valuable advice and just go for it. I agree. So I appreciate you stopping by today. You mentioned obviously the uh, the reset on your website. Is there anywhere else that somebody uh, you know can find you or anything else you have going on? Yeah, I I actually have a new book coming out. It's called The Gray Drinking Reset, and that's coming out January tenth. You can pre order it now with any reputable bookseller. Um, but yeah, just that's coming out January tenth, and that's a more comprehensive thirty day program. So if you're feeling good after 10 days, then go for the gray drinking reset. And I guess just a little holiday thing. We have a free, uh, alcohol free libation holiday cheer recipes. So you can have beautiful festive drinks. And if you want to have some real drinks and some alcohol free ones, that'll give you some great suggestions. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. Thank you. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.